Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than the incomparable Sharon Reed, news anchor, host, commentator, and HQ extraordinaire, Rebel HQ contributor. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day. Very sad news. Legend, multi-talented, Harry Belafonte has passed away. Let's put the picture up for a mask. This hero of a man, legacy does not begin to describe the impact this man has had on society. Harry Belafonte, the dashing singer, the activist, and the actor who became an indispensable support of the civil rights movement. He was 96 years of age when he passed away, according to his publicist, Ken Sunshine. Let me give you some background history to how a person of influence, resources, and means can change the world without losing his soul and still making money. Belafonte died Tuesday. Tuesday morning of congestive heart failure. Belafonte was dubbed the king of Calypso after the groundbreaking success of his 1956 hit, the Banana Boat Song, Deo. He also became a movie star after acting in the film, uh, adapt, uh, adaptation of the Broadway musical, Carmen Jones. Belafonte's biggest contributions actually took place off stage. Now, this is something I think all of us can take a significant amount of wisdom from, how he was able to navigate a very racist societal construct in his personal life, as well as in his professional career. He navigated these channels with expert precision, intentionally so. He was a key strategist. Many people forget he was behind the fundraiser, and he was a mediator for the civil rights movement, did many fundraisers. He continually risked his, his entertainment career and at least once his life for activism, he became a close friend of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who often retired to Belafonte's palace in New York. It was his New York apartment to talk strategy, to escape the pressures of leading the civil rights movement. A ferocious reader. This individual uh, with a burning disdain for injustice, Belafonte's political consciousness was shaped by the experience of growing up as an impoverished son of a poor Jamaican mother who worked as a domestic servant. I often responded to queries that ask, when as an artist did you decide to become an activist? He once said, my response to the question is that I was an activist long before I became an artist. They both service each other, but the activism is first. Let's go, let's go uh, down a journey. Let's provide some context to his activism. Um, he saw the civil rights movement as a global struggle, not just domestically. He was correct. He led a campaign against apartheid in South Africa. He befriended Nelson Mandela. He mobilized support for the fight against HIV AIDS and became a UNICEF goodwill ambassador. 
He also came up with the idea for recording the 1985 hit song, We Are the World, which assembled a constellation of pop and rock stars, including Bob Dylan, Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, and more, to raise money for famine relief in Africa. Look at this amazing picture. You know, a picture says a lot. He had a great relationship with Dr. King. He proved to be crucial. Belafonte proved to be crucial to the movement, utilizing his star power, his connections, and more importantly, his resources to help the civil rights movement. He raised money for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the organization that King co-founded and led. Belafonte also helped bail out activists who had been jailed during the civil rights campaigns and assisted with organizing the 1963 March on Washington. You see, he risked more than just his career. He put his very life on the line. In 1964, Belafonte and his friend, fellow actor Sidney Poitier, traveled to Mississippi to deliver a doctor's bag filled with $70,000 to support voter registration efforts. Belafonte says the pair were chased and shot at by the KKK, but eventually succeeded in hand delivering their money. The reason why they had to transport money that way is because the white owned banks would not allow them to wire that kind of money to sustain the civil rights movement. And so they had to travel with cash and they had to utilize cash payments in order to pay for things required inside of the movement. Belafonte provided a construct for us all to follow a design, a blueprint. While he never compromised his integrity, he was always reputable and provided wisdom and significant context when challenged on his civil rights affiliations. He did not go to NBC interviews and say, do not ask me about my relationship with Dr. King. As a matter of fact, he would say, make sure that's the first question you ask me. Integrity, significant wisdom, a man who cared deeply about society. While he will be missed as a man, his energy and spirit remains on this planet and inside of each and every one of you and me. Rest in peace, our prayers and our positive thoughts are with the family as they grieve this transition. Sharon, thoughts on Mr. Belafonte? Boy, all that, that was beautiful, Dr. Ritchie. We live in a world where sometimes, oftentimes, beautiful people don't have to work very hard to earn praise. Um, and sometimes they're so beautiful as Mr. Belafonte was that they don't develop a conscience. I've not seen a real one like him in a very long time who just risked it all yeah. and stayed true to it to the very end. 100% never deviated. You can read the tea leaves. So the DA has announced, uh, basically she's indicting Donald Trump and security needs to get ready. She's going to announce these indictments coming in the summer. And I'm going to give you the background, you will come to the same conclusion that I have. She's only talking about primarily indicting Donald Trump. Um, so let's put it up full mass here. 
give you some significant update. Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, Fulton County, Georgia, on Monday, said she would announce this summer whether former President Donald Trump and his allies will be charged with crimes related to the alleged interference in Georgia's 2020 election. So DA Willis revealed the timetable in a letter to who? Not to the public, not on Twitter, and not via a press release, but directly to the sheriff of Fulton County. His name is Patrick Labatt. So the DA sends a letter to the sheriff, okay, in which she is requesting that they be ready for a heightened security and preparedness because she predicted her announcement may provoke a significant public reaction. In the letters, Willis said she will announce possible criminal indictments between July 11th and September 1st, sending one of the strongest signals yet that she is on the verge of trying to obtain an indictment against Trump and his supporters. Now, I'm going to provide some inside politics on this, okay? Uh, DA Fonnie Willis and Sheriff Patrick Labatt, they have a great working relationship. The DA could have easily called the sheriff and said, hey, sheriff, between these dates, I need to make sure we have heightened security. And the sheriff would oblige because he cares about his job. Well, she decided to write an, a letter. Uh, this letter got exposed, okay? The letter lays out the security protocol that now we have access to. The letter, there's more. Please accept this correspondence as notice to allow, the, uh, to allow you sufficient time to prepare the sheriff's office and coordinate with local, state, and federal agencies to ensure that our law enforcement community is ready to protect the public, Willis wrote to Fulton Sheriff Patrick Labatt. Uh, we also have the chief of police involved, so let's put up their pictures. Uh, so you have Patrick Labatt, um, and Labatt is sheriff of Fulton County. A similar letter was handed also to Darren um, Sharbaum. He is the chief of police for the city of Atlanta, and Matthew Kalmeyer, director of the Atlanta Fulton County Emergency Management Agency. Several legal observers closely following the Fulton County investigation, which Willis launched more than two years ago, said the letters do in fact suggest that DA Fonnie Willis is absolutely seeking charges against the former president. Former Gwinnett County District Attorney Danny Porter, okay? Longtime DA, Danny Porter. So Danny Porter said, it obviously seems to imply the case against Trump will be presented to a grand jury. Former Gwinnett County DA Danny Porter said, I don't think any of the other targets would raise that level of caution. I think that's the obvious implication. Keep his picture up because I, I want to explain why his opinion is so relevant. Number one, he's been an elected DA of a major county. That major county is located right next door to Fulton County. Fulton County is next door to Gwinnett County. He is giving you the inside of what's happening. Why? Because many of the prosecutors who used to work for him work now in Fulton County. Do you not think at least one prosecutor has told him what the real deal is going to be? 
That's why his opinion about the matter on record is so important. Also, Norm Eason, former ethics czar, let's put him up. He's the former ethics czar under President Barack Obama, who co-authored a Brookings Institute report on the Fulton probe. Guess what? He agreed completely with the former district attorney of Gwinnett County that charges, an indictment will be announced against Donald Trump. While she does not have the former president's name in her letter, he says, the evidence and the applicable law in Georgia point to the substantial likelihood that Donald Trump and his principal co-conspirators will be included when she follows through on the plans she confirms in this letter, according to the former ethics czar. Now, another bit of irony. I know we keep focusing on the infamous phone call that Donald Trump made, who, by the way, uh, he said it was perfect, a perfect phone call. That perfect phone call may not be as pivotal in the prosecution of Donald Trump. Remember, there's something else a little more, let's just say, heavy as evidence is concerned in the court of law. It's, co it's called a signature. You see, Donald Trump and his cronies also engaged in another operation where they had fake electors say they were real electors, sign an affidavit, sworn affidavit saying they were the real electors and you should count their ballots. And then they mailed that affidavit to D.C., hoping that the people in D.C., Mike Pence in particular, would be down with the program, right? They signed it against the law under penalty of perjury, a sworn affidavit, under the direction and coordination of the Trump campaign and maybe even Trump himself as another strategy. That is part of this investigation also. And it is probably the only part of the investigation that is on face value completely illegal. You signed an affidavit swearing and affirming and attesting to these facts that were not facts at all. And you knew it. All right. Sharon, uh, you know Fonnie Willis, you've interviewed her and you have a, a sense of her personality as well. What do you think? I think she's built for this. I think she's playing chess and I think she knows what to say, when to say it, what not to say, including to perhaps her children. OK, mm -hmm. exactly what she wants to get out will get out. And I got to tell you, when she ran for judge, right, Dr. Ritchie, and, and did not get that bid. That's a good thing because this is perfect for her. She will see it through. And this pint-sized petite woman has something planned for all of these people who dared walk into a courtroom and think that they, well, they were playing checkers, Dr. Ritchie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, she has them dead to the wrong in so many ways. And they bothered, they messed around and did it in the wrong jurisdiction. That's what happened. All right, we'll give you updates as they come. Joe Biden, you know, well, he made this announcement. Freedom, personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a retribution. 
to protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms, cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy, dictating what healthcare decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. So the headline reads, Biden goes after Marjorie Taylor Greene in new campaign ad. No, no, sir. That's, that's not what he did. He had a commercial. Marjorie Taylor Greene is in it with other people. And it is basic old school democratic strategy. Put it up full mass here. Uh, the problem is he did not go after her. Okay, that's the problem. Let me give you the background. Uh, So basically, this is a 2024 presidential announcement ad. Uh, The two, Marjorie Taylor Greene and President Joe Biden, they locked horns when Greene heckled Biden during the State of the Union address, all right? Uh, But you know she responded to her cameo appearance in the commercial. Let's put it up. Marjorie Taylor Greene responds, she says, 80-year-old Joe Biden just told these lies in his pre-recorded 2024 re-election video, cutting Social Security that you've paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy, dictating what healthcare decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love while, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. She's, Republicans have zero plans to cut Social Security. <laughs> That's what she says. We have no plans to cut Social Security, um, which, by the way, Mike Pence said they do. Abortion is not women's health care. It kills a baby, no matter how Democrats wordsmith it. A vast majority of Americans completely disagree with her. Uh, We aren't telling people who to love. We want to protect kids from the Democrat-approved child genitalia mutilation medical industry. Uh, And nine out of every 10 reports I do on any type of perversion, a Republican is at the bottom of it. And lastly, Republicans have made it clear we support election integrity and new and and now ballot harvest and no ballot harvesting is what she meant, uh, just like Democrats. Shame on Joe Biden for lying and self and selfishly deciding to run for reelection. Just as we are exposing how Bidens, how the Bidens have gotten rich by influence peddling. Wow. Joe himself has already proven he's the worst president in history. Now we have to prove how corrupt Joe Biden really is. All right. Let me give you more. So when the president, when President Biden uh, said uh, during his State of the Union address that some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security sunset. And that I'm not saying it's a majority. He was technically correct. You see, Rick Scott, head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee in 2022, laid out a plan to do this last winter. But his proposal died because the man could not get a second. Other Republican senators, including Mike Lee of Utah, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, have suggested radical changes in Social Security and Medicare, but did not go as far as Mr. Scott. Mr. Johnson wants to eliminate these programs as entitlements and subject them in, in, instead to the annual appropriations process. Mike Pence has a plan that may actually uh, restrict the age 
um, so that less people could qualify. So you would increase the age so that less people could actually take advantage of a program they've been paying into their entire lives and they've been promised it. Nikki Haley has a program similar as well. All of these major mainstream Republicans have a plan to get rid of the thing she said. No, they're not trying to do that. All right, going to be interesting. Uh, Sharon, here's the question. Is it a mistake to tangle, in your opinion, with a Marjorie Taylor Greene if you are president of the United States? Or are we in such a new era of politics, it's probably the best strategy now? I think he has to name names. And by mm. the way, Corella DeVille wants her coat back. <laughs> right. I'm gonna, I, I can tell you that. But he's got to name names. Even though Marjorie Taylor Greene has done so little except spread hate, the, the, the guy down in Florida who eats pudding with his fingers, he's got to go full steam ahead and go after all of them. Yeah, I completely concur. And I would probably, I would have had a different opinion 10 years ago. It's not 10 years ago, all right? We're, to, we're here today. Donald Trump has changed the game so significantly you can no longer play ball like you did before you got elected. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Uh, before I do that, let me remind you about the Shorty Awards. TYT. Is nominated for the Shorty Awards for our exceptional work in journalism and honest reporting. The nomination highlights TYT's commitment to informing and inspiring audiences around the world. I want you to vote in the news and media category ASAP. TYT.com forward slash shorties. Uh, you can vote every day until tomorrow. All right. TYT.com forward slash vote to make that happen. A lot of comments here. Oh, jam, Harry Belafonte was a spectacular person. In many respects, he could be called a Renaissance man. That's right. Uh, he was someone I looked up to a great deal. Uh, you are so right about the Renaissance part. He was just very good at a lot of different things. And uh, his talent was, was effortless, but he practiced. I mean, he was serious about his entertainment. He was serious about um, his activism, all right? Uh, Lynn, Belafonte was a beautiful man in every sense of the word. That's right, all right? Uh, Trista, thanks for reeling in the establishment zealots, Dr. Richie. It was one well-edited ad, not the beginning of a revolution. Yeah. Welcome to Indisputable 78 Sports TV. We appreciate you being here. And let's go to Twitch. Hunger Games underscore 1989. When I saw this, I felt sad. I uh, was talking about Belafonte. But not many black men, especially in the civil rights movement, can say they lived to be 96. 96, okay, full life. He lived a hard life, but a good life. That's true. That is true. Uh, star 101, Leon, uh, 101, Lee One. Uh, he was a great singer and activist. Peace be with his family in their time of grief. There you go. We concur. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. I bet you I don't get deactivated. That's fine. You get away from me, though. You get away from me. I am away from you. I'm not getting anywhere near you. You come near me and it's a problem. 
You're just a goddamn. Since this male Karen self-identified as a school teacher, I'm going to ask the community to help me understand where he teaches if his statement is accurate. Put up the picture full mask here. What did you just see? You saw a male having a confrontation with another male, okay? They were in a verbal dispute. The person recording, obviously African-American, is simply recording the matter. And the emphasis of his anger went to the person recording. And he looked at him and said, where you're jester, and he used the N-word. And then attempted to justify his use of this racial slur by saying, oh, it has nothing to do with him being black. It has to do with his behavior, was his justification. Now, I'm bringing this to your attention because the most dangerous thing I think he said was that he's a school teacher, okay? That he's a school teacher. So if I could get some confirmation on if that is true or not, I would greatly appreciate it. I would bring you the update as it comes. Sharon, thoughts on this? It's an emergency. You're absolutely right, Doc. And I think we have to call on everyone, just like he said, throughout the community, put his picture on those little, what are the little cartons of milk that they yeah. serve in the schools? Have you the seen kids it? will the kids will know exactly if he is a school teacher. Yep, that's him. And he loves that word, rolls off the tongue. Yeah, and you'll be surprised at how many, uh, let's say, young people who frequent social media will help me identify individuals when they refuse to identify themselves. Mm -hmm. All right. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're your still French! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. And you! With that dog, I hear that dog again. I'm gonna crack his skull open. Both of you. You understand me? Both of you. You. You with that dog and him, okay? You better not come over. You better not come over here. And I'm gonna crack his skull open with an axe handle, okay? Kay. You and this guy are gonna stop, okay? I've had enough. I've been going through this since last September, lady. I don't know who the hell you are. Go in there and get your husband, your father, whoever he is. Bring him out here. Bring him out here. Where? You see your man? Tell him to come out here. I'm a little guy, man. I'm 5'6". Tell him to come out here. Tell him to come out here. What do you, what, what do you, what are you not in your head at? I'm serious, girl. Sure. I'm telling you, I'm serious. Because, because this woman is the same damn thing with this, with this dog. This is going to stop. I'm going to stand out here and terrorize this whole neighborhood until it stops. Sir, 
you're going to end up getting your ass kicked. Now, I really hope you have some family who can intervene. And uh, let's put it up full mass here. The reason why no one is taking you seriously, sir, is because of your shoe and sock coordination. That's number one. Number two, uh, we're pretty sure you're wearing your boxers and the shirt you had on under your work shirt that day. Sir, why why were you outside like this? Male Karen, um, while saying, bring him out. I don't care. He's ready to go. Uh, put the picture up one more time. You notice how he respected the property rights of the owner? You see that? He's right at the line. He's making sure he stays two inches behind the mailbox, which, by the way, is actually the way to do it. <laughs> That's a man who knows his local codes. All right, Sharon, I've never seen such a tough, non-tough guy yeah. before. And the outfit, too, at first, Dr. Richie, I was distracted by those or those <laughs> compression hose. He had on those knee-high compression hose. And I thought, well, this is interesting. But I did hear him say, girl, and get your husband. He's a misogynist, too. And I thought, I wonder if she calls 911, will the police and the fashion police come? Because he's going to get tickets for days. Forever. All right. Just a tragedy all around. Mm. Okay. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me let me do this. We're running pretty good on time. Um, if you haven't already subscribed, I want you to do so. It's the progress report. Very important information, all right, for everybody, okay? And you can also share this information with those you know and love. TYT's weekday morning newsletter, The Progress Report. Every morning, we give you the best progressive news, analysis, and reporting. You can scan the QR code or go to tyt.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. Okay, a lot of comments. Mo Fury, my dear Karen, you aren't, you aren't racist because you are white. You are racist because you're self-righteous. You're a self-righteous a-hole, dare I say, whole ass. Wolf Dragon Donna, if someone threatened to smash my dog's skull in with an axe handle, I'd be completely uncontrollable. Okay. Um, bosses of talk. I'm not coming out to talk to you in your pajamas, sir. <laughs> Stephanie Haynes, thank you for this, Stephanie. A five-six male Karen, I better go back in the house before a hawk comes swooping down and take his ass away. Small folk always try to make big noise. Stay real. Dr. Richard Sharon, love the hair. That's good. Very nice. And let me do Twitch. All right. Okay, Twitch Ghost Dog TV. You know, when they come out in their undies, they're serious, girl. I mean, he was serious. There's no mistake in that. What if I told you that a sheriff engages in a sting operation in order to get meth off the street. So he gives 60 pounds of meth to a drug dealer in order to get the arrest. But the meth he gave to the drug dealer got away because the drug dealer ran from the police and they lost him. Well, that's exactly what happened 
Uh, put it up for a mass, the building. A drug dealer got away with 60 pounds of meth in an already meth infested community. It belonged to the Riverside County Sheriff's Office last week after sting operation went awry. So let me give you background on the drug sting. So undercover narcotics officers were attempting to identify traffickers when they met a suspect around 4 p.m. on Wednesday, okay? After the transaction, the suspect sped away from the officers with the meth, which has a street value of $150,000 to $210,000. Ladies and gentlemen, the sheriff's office are now bona fide drug dealers. They have literally sold more drugs than probably the biggest drug dealer in a local community. 60 pounds of meth in one transaction, gone. This makes no sense. Uh, here's what the sheriff's office had to say. Uh, the suspect failed to yield and a pursuit was initiated due to the high speeds and, suspe and suspects disregard for public safety. Deputies lost sight of the vehicle. It was not immediately clear where the investigators knew the identity of the drug trafficker. Now, let me give you background on the meth issue in Cali, okay? Uh, meth has long ravaged many communities, especially those in Southern California, as the Riverside and San Bernardino ca uh, County area was once known as the methamphetamine capital of the United States. The drug is frequently uh, manufactured at clandestine labs in California or smuggled across the Southwest border. Well, look at there. Now you got um, 60 pounds more of it because of the sheriff and his sting operation. When does negligence of this level become criminal? And when will somebody ask the obvious question? Did the dope dealer really just get away with it or was something else at play? I'm just posing it. I have no evidence to suggest it other than the fact I've never known this to happen before with a sting operation where you literally give them the drugs and the drugs leave. 60 damn pounds of it. Come on, man. Um, we'll get the picture um, of the sheriff in post. Uh, but Sharon, talk about this. How insane. You've reported on the news for many years. You ever heard anything like this before? They didn't even try to make up a good lie, did they? <laughs> I mean, they just, just, you can at least try. Okay. Yeah. Really? Sheriff and company? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he got away from all of y'all? I just, I don't get it. <laughs> Okay, um, another interesting story, drones being used to deliver drugs directly to prisons, all right? Let's put it up full mass. This is an interesting saga. Obviously, it's been happening for a minute. Uh, two drone operations flying drugs on demand into Pleasant Valley State Prison and the U.S. Penitentiary in Leavenworth were shut down last week, leading to a combined total of 10 indictments. Drones delivered not only marijuana, but K2, uh, K2 drugs that mimic uh, marijuana, butane oil amongst an assortment of other contraband. 
So the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Columbia posted a press release last Thursday announcing four defendants have been indicted uh, and uh, in one prison drug scheme. And Michael Ray, so we got Michael Ray Acosta, 48 years of age, uh, 48 years of age, already currently incarcerated at the Pleasant Valley State Prison. He has been charged with conspiracy to distribute drugs, so he gets a federal racketeering charge. Then you have Jose Enrique Oropiza, 34, of Colton, California. He was charged with conspiracy to own and operate an unregistered drone and a few other charges. Rosindo Ramirez, 34, of Sacramento, is charged with conspiracy to distribute drugs with an unregistered drone and several other charges compa- compounded by the use of a firearm. Uh, and then David Ramirez, Jr., 34, of Sacramento, is charged with conspiracy to distribute drugs and several other charges. So according to court documents between January 1st and December 10th of 2021, <clears throat> Acosta used a contraband cell phone to coordinate multiple drone deliveries of contraband into the Pleasant Valley State Prison and other prisons across the state. The attorney's office wrote, adding that the other three men operated the fleet of drones to deliver the drugs. There's more. Um, Oropisa, uh, Rosendo Ramirez and David Ramirez Jr. flew drones over the prisons and dropped packages of contraband into the prisons. Acosta and his associates would then recover the contraband for further distribution throughout the prison population. The packages that Acosta helped to smuggle into the prisons included methamphetamine, heroin, cocaine, marijuana, cell phones, cell phone accessories, butane oil, and various other items. If convicted of conspiracy charges, the defendants face a maximum statutory penalty of 10 years to life in prison and fines up to 10 million. If convicted of possession with intent to distribute drugs, the defendants face a statutory penalty of 40 years in prison and a fine up to 5 million. Since Rosendo uh, Ramirez is a felon and possessed a firearm, he faces additional charges. He could get an additional 10 years. Uh, So meanwhile, in a separate operation, let's put it up, in a separate operation at the U.S. Penitentiary in Leavenworth, six more were indicted on drug charges. All right, let's put up the names of all six people. Okay, they are facing an assortment of conspiracy and drug possession charges. Uh, Dale Gaver III, Melvin Edwards, already in prison on other charges, allegedly arranged with four more people outside of the prison to deliver drugs between August 2020 and May 2021. Drugs on demand were available, and those incarcerated uh, could order specific drugs. That's according to the Wichita Eagle and their reporting. Okay. So let me say this. You don't have that kind of operation without inside people inside of the prison. Period. Doesn't happen. This network was not only extensive in its local or hyper-local approach inside of the facility, it was also regional. Multiple prisons involved. That kind of infrastructure cannot be created, maintained, without the assistance of those who are in charge. Now, I'm not saying it goes all the way to the top. It may be middle management or even lower management if it is not upper management. But you cannot run this kind of operation without some level of management from those who operate the facility. It is not 
possible. Why? First of all, you have your aerial surveillance of all prisons. How are they flying things in? How do they know where to drop it? How do they not see individuals on the yard picking it up? It's impossible. All of these things happening for years, not possible without inside help. Um, All right, Sharon, thoughts on this? You know, when I order things from Amazon and you have the little filter, Dr. Richie, like you said, when same day delivery, delivery by five o'clock, 10 o'clock, they can't even make sure that it gets there. This operation here? Yeah. Really? Okay. Widespread and coordinated, highly coordinated. Yeah, we'll see if uh, some names drop in addition to those who are currently listed on the indictment. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Let me read some of these beautiful comments. All right. So cats and dragon. I like how you did that. I see what you did there. Just they just gave this low level. <laughs> you are probably so right. Uh, I do believe this was a low level drug deal also and did not even have the money to purchase the meth anyway. Uh, Cats and Dragon says they gave this low level drug deal a huge payday. Meth is a horrible drug. Every person I know addicted ended up dead by suicide or medical issues, uh, just as bad as opiates. Um, Gary Cooper, 60 pounds. That's a lot of meth. Yes. It's insane to think that much meth was handed over to another person. See Michael Henson. Wait, what? The sheriff's department used real drugs for their sting operation and they got away. I'm like you, Doc. Something else is going on. That's very true. Uh, and Twitch. Um, at Cement. Uh, I'm sure the cops will do everything they can to find the meth. Police don't like to put drugs back on the street unless they are getting a cut. All right. I have an update for you. So the officer who killed uh, Mr. Dante Wright, well, she has been released. Kim Potter, let's put up the pictures for a mask. Out of jail, Kim Potter, the former cop who shot Dante Wright after saying she mistook her taser or her gun for a taser. She wanted to tase him, not kill him. She's been released from the uh, Minnesota Correctional Correctional Facility after serving just 16 months. She'll serve another eight months on supervised release. Let's put up the picture of the family, of the young child, okay? So when a person is dead, the justice that you are seeking is really for the family like that child and the mother that may still be living or the father and grandparents, et cetera. Wright's family, they're saying that Potter, this officer left them cursed forever when she shot and killed the 20 year old Dante Wright during a traffic stop on April 11, 2020. The shooting happened during the trial of Derek Chauvin, the officer who murdered George Floyd. And Wright's death 
set off several days of protest. Officer Potter, who was convicted of first and second degree manslaughter, this was in 2022, received a sentence that was far below the guidelines of roughly seven years. And the 15 year maximum the state of Minnesota allows for first degree manslaughter. Wright's family slammed the sentence at the time, which was handed down by Judge Regina Chu, who cried, cried when she announced Potter's punishment last February. Um, let's put up these side by side pictures here. Okay. Almost unrecognizable. Officer Potter, 50 years old, can be seen in a recently released mugshot looking frail and thin, a stark contrast from, from her smiling mugshot in 2021. The Minnesota Department of Correction said Potter was released at 4 a.m. out of an abundance of caution for the safety of Ms. Potter, DOC staff, and the security of the correctional facility. A statement said there were elevated concerns for Ms. Potter's safety, including threatening comments directed at her and the potential for violent protest outside of the facility. Her release conditions say she cannot leave Wisconsin without permission. She must also maintain contact with a release agent, submit to unannounced visits, searches and drug or alcohol tests, and not possess guns or other dangerous weapons and not have contact um, with the family. So she gets a few months for killing a black male. Now, remember, we've reported on these stories before, right? Where the officer says, no, 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 no. I meant to grab my taser, but I grabbed the gun. Let me go ahead and put this mess to rest, this ridiculous defense. Now, if it is because you have such, I don't know, negligent thought that you would actually do this, well, you don't need to be a cop at all. Um, you should have a criminal penalty when you eliminate the life of another human being that should be alive. But think about this. You and me, for the most part, we're not trained. We're not trained on how to use a taser. Okay? We're not trained. We don't, we don't go to a class or get formal training. But they do. As a matter of fact, to be taser certified, you must go through the training. And most departments require that you be tasered yourself to receive that certification. The taser has a different color, has a different weight, has a different trigger mechanism. And it's on a different side of the belt of the officer intentionally. So that mistake would never happen. And here's the other part. We hear stories about cops grabbing their gun when they meant to grab their taser. And now there's a dead person in front of them. Have you ever heard a cop tell you they meant to grab their gun, but they grabbed their taser instead? They meant to uh, kill, but instead they just tase somebody and that person is still alive. You've never heard it that way. We've never done that before. There's no data for that. So uh, the defense was obviously effective because she killed a whole person in front of a lot of people. And by the way, remember, she was head of a union where, according to members of that union, she would often engage 
in conversation about how you can cover up or cover your tracks if you've done something, let's just say not becoming of an officer. All right, 16 months, Sharon, family's outraged, obviously. What are your thoughts? About the same as they were when Judge Chu cried. Yeah. Like it was so foolish to watch her cry from the bench. And Kim Potter, we should make sure doc people understand is no Meryl Streep. She didn't need to be. She just needed to have white woman tears that were so affected that even now, 16 months later, people are so concerned about her. I wonder if the patrol car is still parked outside her home yep. protecting her. Yep. All right. We will give you updates as they arrive, but you know, she may be released off of probation early. Tucker Carlson, known as Lil Tuck Tuck, no longer at Fox News. Don Lemon fired from CNN, or was he? Let me break it all down. Quite interesting stuff. I put up the fellow who lies a lot, all right, this morning. Fox News announced it is parting ways with Tucker Carlson and his program, Tucker Carlson Tonight. This remained one of the most watched cable news shows in America, outpacing MSNBC and CNN. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways, the quote says. The company put this in a news release. It says Mr. Carson's last program was Friday, April 21st. They are not allowing him to say goodbye to his viewers. There will be no send off for Tucker Carlson as his last program aired on Friday. Carlson signed off on Friday stating he will be back on Monday. The company would not comment beyond the release and whether Carlson was being taken off air in response to the Dominion defamation case. Uh, so a rotating panel of the network's personalities will actually fill in during Carlson's regular part-time or primetime slot until a new host is named. Um, I'm going to get into this tribute we put together for Tucker, but before I do that, I just want to remind everyone uh, that Tucker Carlson, not only did he lie, he showed disdain for his viewers by talking in plain, truthful English to those he respected and by lying to the audience, those he did not. Now, naturally, this lawsuit dynamic has not been favorable. Fox News is paying damn near a billion dollars. That's what it will be when everything is said and done, more lawsuits are pending. But all of them took place, or took part, excuse me, in the lie. Those lies took place on Fox News. Those lies are just as much Tuckers as they are Hannity's and everyone else but Tucker is the one leaving. Good. I am no fan of Tucker Carlson. Disagree with him in virtually everything he does and says. But this is a fitting day to at least pay tribute to Tucker Carlson. Here it is. The very same people, literally the very same, who just the other day told us that segregation was immoral are now enforcing segregation. Should we be surprised? Probably not, but hold on, Tuck Tuck. So the next time you see someone in a mask on the sidewalk or on the bike path, do not hesitate. Ask politely but firmly, would you please take off your mask? Little tuck tuck. Who do you plan to support, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? 
Well, who am I going to support? Well, Joshua, as you've noticed, uh, my endorsement means a lot to American voters. Um. <laughs> To see someone who's not afraid in America. There are still a few. I guess it's left to a rapper from Queens, but good for her. Little Tuck Tuck. Hard to believe that man wears a uniform. He's that unimpressive. Notice he never defined white rage, and we should know what it is. What is white rage? Well, like drapedomania, it's one of those diseases that only affect people with certain melanin levels. It's a race-specific illness. Hold on, Tuck Tuck. <laughs> They're trying to kill me. They hate me. They just don't like women. Really? Who hates women? <laughs> Hold on, Tuck Tuck. Little Tuck Tuck. White rage, sir, is what you felt on Friday when Fox News told your ass you won't be coming back on Monday. Does that clear it up for you? All right, let's go to Don Lemon. Okay, so Don Lemon, host on CNN, recently had a new, I guess, job, a time slot change, well, he is no more, according to him and CNN. So Lemon announced on Twitter saying that he was informed by his agent that he was being terminated. Now, here's the issue. He says, I am stunned after 17 years at CNN I would have thought someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. The news comes after Variety published a story earlier this month on allegations that he mistreated his female colleagues over the course of his career there. And earlier this year, he faced backlash over widely criticized comments he made on air. The Variety reported published the Variety Report published April 5th alleged that Lemon has a long history of questionable behavior toward women. The report was based on more than a dozen former and current colleagues, according to Variety, who described Lemon as openly hostile to women at the network. Most of the sources spoke anonymously to the outlet. NBC News has not independently verified the allegations. So CNN CEO uh, said that the network and Lemon have parted ways. Now, remember, he said he was terminated. They are characterizing it as parting ways, according to a memo posted on CNN's official communications Twitter account. Don will forever be part of the CNN family, they said, and we thank him for his contributions over the past 17 years. We wish him well, and we and will be cheering him on in his future endeavors. CNN tweeted Don Lemon's statement about this morning's event uh, is inaccurate. He was offered an opportunity to meet with management, according to them, but instead released a statement on Twitter. Um, I don't know who's telling the truth. I do know that sometimes <clears throat> in message to message to message, things can get somewhat diluted. But let's talk about what's happening today. Is it a coincidence that these two are announced on the same day? Let's look at a comparative model. Tucker Carlson has been lying since day one. I mean, he lies every day has a show based on lies, okay? Uh, Don Lemon, obviously all of these dynamics connected to what they term a problematic history. Um, it came up recently because of reporting. We have not been able to independently verify the Don Lemon story, but we can say this, we can independently verify the Tucker Carlson lies. Did he get fired from Fox News for lying? Of course not. Why did he get fired from Fox News? 
probably because he told the truth in text messages. All right, David, I don't know what to make of this, man. Uh, is he gone? I'm talking about Tucker because he lied or because he told the truth or neither. Well, a couple of things. This is a uh, brutal business, and this just underscores it. I mean, my own personal story, when I lost my job at MSNBC 13 years ago, it was because I read about it first in the New York Times. Nobody bothered wow. to tell me within MSNBC, hey, you're not coming back. Um, also, when I was at MSNBC, I was actually friends with one guy named Tucker Carlson. He and I were there roughly the same time. I substituted for Tucker's show. I liked him back then. I thought he was, you know, we disagreed politically and journalistically, but he was generally he was generally willing to subscribe to the truth. Something happened when Tucker Carlson left MSNBC, maybe because he felt burned from getting fired at MSNBC, getting fired from CNN. When he went to Fox News, it's as if he decided, OK, I'm going to throw out all the old rules. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to become as powerful, as popular with conservative viewers as I can, even if that means bearing the truth and giving them a bunch of nonsense. And that's what Tucker Carlson has turned into. He's become something that a lot of us used to like him no longer recognize. It's ironic that Rupert Murdoch, of all people, the chairman of Fox, is actually now perhaps giving everybody a chance to see the old Tucker Carlson because this current Tucker Carlson is no longer allowed on Fox News. Coach Phil Jackson says, you know, he doesn't watch the NBA anymore. It's too political. You know, Black Lives Matter, the hypocrisy of Phil Jackson. Put him up for a mask. I'm so damn disappointed. So in a recent podcast interview, this former NBA head coach, Phil Jackson, admitted that he actually stopped watching the entire game of basketball. He stopped watching the NBA in 2020 when he believed they got too political with Black Lives Matter slogans. This is ironic, is it not? When posed the question, when asked why, Phil says the NBA did something uh, wanky, he called it, while in Orlando, namely getting mixed up in politics with a bunch of slogans on the court and on the jerseys of the players themselves. He never says BLM, but there's no doubt that what he's talking about, that's exactly what he's talking about. He even kind, kind of mocks it saying, uh, he joked about it from home with his family. Uh, let's put up one of the pictures he's obviously referring to. Okay. So Phil thinks the NBA was pandering to a certain audience and demographic, which turned a lot of people off that year, including himself. He says politics should stay out of sports and that folks don't like to see them mesh. Oh, Phil, is it political, Phil, to sing proud to be an American? Is it political, Phil, to support um, breast cancer research? Is it political to say Black Lives Matter? How does that become political. Do they not matter to you? You owe your entire damn career to black men. And you to wax poetic about how you no longer could watch the game. You were disgusted by the game because of politics. Now I see something I did not see before. You know how we've always wondered why is it that those who played under Phil Jackson did not do more, like for example, more like LeBron James. He's doing a lot. 
Okay. I wonder, is it because those who played under Phil Jackson, they were guided by Phil Jackson to remain out of politics, to remain out of activism, to remain out of social influencing? Because Phil didn't want it. Let's be very clear. Black Lives Matter is not political. One is personal and two is people centric. Black Lives Matter simply says we matter too. That's it. You got offended by a slogan, sir. Out of all of the racism, bigotry that has happened inside of the NBA that you are aware of and that you even spoke of on occasion, it was the fact that people put on BLM. That made you stop watching the game, not the dysfunction of the game, not the usury of the game, nor the racism that is inside of the industry. But that caused you to stop watching basketball. Sharing thoughts here. I'm disgusted. And indeed, he pulled the wool over my eyes, too. And we need to thank the black man for his success in all those rings. No wonder Jeannie Buss left him for that comedian, too. I wish it was Cat Williams. I, I do. That would that would make it even better. How dare he? How dare he? Yeah. It's it's I I really all right. Uh, Doctor Phil, I saw that coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. Okay. This Phil, not so much. Uh, but we'll deal with it as it comes. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you, okay? Let me read some of these comments. Let's go to G Martinez Mack. So Kim gets to get her life back, but the black man that no longer is with us and rests amongst the ancestors doesn't even get a full semblance of justice. I really can't deal with this right now. Yeah, 16 months, 16 months, a judge crying, they go against the these established sentencing guidelines to all benefit her. All right, uh, Mackenzie J. All of my thank you so much for being uh, a double doser for eight months. We appreciate the support. Love you so much, Doc, and I love you right back. All right, let's go to Chipmunk PDX Twitch. I would investigate the judge. Seems like she was biased in this pitiful excuse for a sentence. You know, and that's the thing, judges are legally allowed to be biased, believe it or not. Yeah, they can be biased, okay? They can weigh factors that don't make sense to us, but make sense to them. That's called bias. All right, Uh, sunglass Tony, sunglasses Tony. Drug charges are more more harsh than killing a human being. And black. I think this is Black Maj 999. Black Lives Matter is only a political statement to people who don't believe it. To everyone else, it's just truth. That's right. It's like if someone, the only people that will criticize you for being woke are the ones that would rather you be asleep. That's it, period. All right. Very sad story, okay? There's a man, young man, who was, uh, who walks up to a car, gets shot by, the person inside. He was doing nothing wrong. Let's put it up for a mass. He was fatally shot back in 2022. I'm going to give you the story. His name is Trayvon Donaville. Was fatally shot on December 12, 2022, after he simply accidentally walked 
to the wrong car while texting. That's it. Nothing else. Police arrested Derek Cole Daniels, 52, not pictured, and charged him with voluntary manslaughter for the December 2022 killing of Mr. Donoville, who was simply texting on his phone. Surveillance video, uh, and let's put up the screen. There you go. Surveillance video from the College Park gas station where the shooting occurred showed that Donoville's vehicle, which looked very similar to the vehicle of Mr. Daniels, was parked two gas pumps over from Daniels. His pregnant fiance sat inside waiting for him. He was texting when he walked up to Daniel's car as the driver decided to engage in shooting. Carmela McKenzie had to beg, had to beg Daniels, the shooter, to stop shooting him, explaining that the 26-year-old mistook his vehicle for theirs. She gave birth to their son in late March. The couple had been together for at least five years before he was killed. That's according to social media post. Daniels, the shooter, was released on bond for a misdemeanor charge. But the Fulton County DA, District Attorney's Office, is investigating the shooting. And if a decision is made to seek a felony indictment, the office will prosecute in Superior Court. If the decision is made to leave it as a misdemeanor, as the police cited it, it will be prosecuted in state court by the solicitor's office. That's according to a statement. The victim's mother said Daniel's currently uh, Daniel's current penalty and being able to walk out of jail with a $150,000 bond is unfair. So let me break this down. Once again, you're in Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, Fulton County, Georgia has a DA named Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis is the same DA in charge of the investigation against Donald Trump. Right now, the police decided to cite this as a misdemeanor. That means it goes to the Solicitor General, Keith Gamage. Keith Gamage, his prosecutors have the authority to do something called bind it over. They can bind it over because they don't feel the charges match a misdemeanor criminal element. They would like to see it prosecuted in Superior Court. They can do that. It can be upgraded. It needs to happen quickly. All right. Uh, but once again, uh, Sharon, this is really simple. You you kill a person who posed no threat, you gave no warning, you engaged in, in aggressive behavior after the first shot, you kept shooting them, people gotta beg you to stop. You don't even go to jail for killing the person you killed. You get arrested and cited by the police for a misdemeanor. How insane is this? It's insane, and what are we waiting for? Because had the deceased, may he mm. rest in peace, and his yeah. child, no father, had the deceased done this, would we, would we even, would it even, no, is right. the answer to all That's of right. those things. That's right. It's disgusting. What are we waiting for here? Yeah, and see these things, to me, these are the, the things that make people really distrust the system altogether uh, because it's so clear cut and naturally, your point is well taken. If he did this to somebody, instead of being the victim who died, he would go to jail for murder. Pure and simple, that same day, this would not have been an issue um, to consider beyond that. All right. Once again, Cop City, City of Atlanta, protesters from virtually every college, including the one I teach at, 
engaged in a demonstration against this proposed $90 million development. Let's put the picture up. You see, these are the future leaders of America. And to be quite frank with you, they're leading right now. Monday afternoon, walkouts and protests happened from students at more than a dozen colleges around the metro Atlanta area, including Emory University, Georgia State University, Morehouse, Morehouse College, and others. They demanded Atlanta officials cancel the release and drop ties or cancel the lease and drop ties with the Atlanta Police Foundation in an effort to stop the progression of Cop City. Students at Emory University handed out free Stop Cop City t-shirts, held picket signs, and shouted demands for the university's president, who is a member of the Atlanta Committee for Progress, which has financially backed the center. President Finves stepped down from the ACP and condemned the development of Cop City, one of several student organizers said. Remember this young man? Okay. You know, they told us that he was the aggressor. They said they had no choice but to shoot 57 bullets inside of his body because he shot at the police. Forensics comes out. And I want you to understand the cause and effect relationship as to why so many are now getting involved in this movement. The more information that comes out, the more questionable that whole thing becomes. They told us they had no body camera footage and then all of a sudden we get auxiliary body camera footage from APD. State troopers in Georgia are not required to wear body cams, except if they are on the grounds of the city capitol building. Outside of that, they do not have to wear body cams per state law, and they did not. They could have because they knew they were doing um, an actual raid of a forest. All right, they were doing a sweep of a forest where they knew protesters would be. You should have drones with cameras, and everybody should have their camera on in a situation like that. They did not. Forensics comes out, says the young man not only was shot 57 times, he had his hands up when he was shot according to forensics. Forensics also concluded that no gun residue was found on his hand. There's more, all right? So let's put it back up. Uh, the protest comes less than a week after the DeKalb County Medical Examiner Office released the autopsy report of the death of the 26-year-old activist and victim, Manuel Terran. Terran, who went uh, who went by Tortugita and used they, them pronouns, was shot and killed by police on the 18th of January. Officers raided campgrounds. This was an operation. They knew what they were going to do. They planned this. Campgrounds occupied by environmental demonstrators who had allegedly been camping out for months to protest the development of Cop City, dubbed the Atlanta Training Center. The report stated that the activists had at least 57 gunshots or gunshot wounds uh, inside of their body, including the hands, torso, legs, and head. His family said he was um, a pacifist, would not have hurt anyone. He was not an aggressive individual at all and found it to be completely shocking that he would ever shoot anybody. But now forensic says, you know, he does not have gunshot residue on his hand. There's more. Let's put it up. Okay. 
Protesters say Atlanta area universities have been supporters of the development of Cop City through an organization known as the Atlanta Committee for Progress. Atlanta's universities are complicit in APF's violence and corruption. Many of the foundations that fund APF also donate to the universities. An anonymous Georgia Institute of Technology taking part in the Stop Cop City protest said in a statement, we are sending a message to all of these complicit actors that your support of the People's Park destruction, increased militarization of police, and the brutalization of protesters is shameful and will not go unheard. Uh, and I've made my position known very clearly in the city of Atlanta, um, especially as it relates to the colleges I'm affiliated with. I stand with the community, I stand, stand with the students. I do not stand with the administration. I do not stand with your decision uh, to support this insane continued development against the wishes of the locals. All right, sharing thoughts on this. We're in lockstep. Uh, these are storied institutions that we're very proud to have here in the city of Atlanta, and they're known throughout the world. And the fact that they would be complicit, look the other way, whatever you want to call it, is not okay. There comes a time, Doc, where we need to step aside and let these young people lead the way with their conscience and their clarity, if you will. That's right. And I want to say this for the record. The reason why it's easier for me to stand with students um, is because they are the lifeblood of any institution. They are the reason you have a business model. They are the reason you have a salary. So to become antithetical to the base of your business support for the educational institution is unwise because I guarantee you that city government money would dry up quickly if you have no students coming to that institution. Your first priority should be advocate for the students and their values because that makes an institution what it is, not their affiliation with a governmental agency or nonprofit. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Well, I'm very uh, proud. To, today was day one, TYT Sports, Doc. So um, yes. it's just a wonderful entity, and I hope everybody will tune in. You can catch me across all platforms, too, at Sharon Reed Live. I appreciate you very much. We appreciate you as well, always. Okay, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. <laughs>